listening to This Tangled Skein, a monthly podcast about yarn, tea, and Sherlock Holmes. Not necessarily in that order. This is episode 5 for April 30th, 2016. Outside the Conventions. Hello, and welcome to This Tangled Skein, a monthly podcast about yarn, tea, and Sherlock Holmes, though not necessarily in that order. I'm your host, Beth. If you've been here for previous episodes, I'd like to say welcome back, and if you're here for the first time, well, welcome. Show notes can be found at thistangledskein.com, and you can get in touch with me at comments at thistangledskein.com. I'm also on most forms of social media, including Twitter, Instagram, and Ravelry as Plexipa. That's P as in Porlock, L-E-X-I-P-P-A. I know, my dear Watson, that you share my love of all that is bizarre and outside the conventions and humdrum routine of everyday life. You have shown your relish for it by the enthusiasm which has prompted you to chronicle, and, if you will excuse my saying so, somewhat to embellish so many of my own little adventures. Oh, Holmes, always the critic as if he doesn't know that it's Watson's embellishments that keep people coming back to read about more of his little adventures. That passage was from The Red-Headed League, read, as usual, from my 1930 Doubleday edition. Part of the reason I originally bought that particular canon collection had to do with the John H. Watson Society annual treasure hunt. Don Leiby, the founder and original boy in buttons of the Society, used the page numbers in that specific book as part of the trail to the final answer, so it was recommended to have a copy to hand. Not that this stopped Thierry Saint-Joannis and Alexis Barkan, who combined forces as Team France to win the international team division of the first treasure hunt in 2013. I apologize for my appalling French pronunciation. The current treasure hunt mistress, Margie Deck, society moniker Gwen, does not use the specific page numbers, so feel free to use your personal favorite edition of the canon when you join in the 2016 treasure hunt this August. I will be using my Doubleday, and since I've gotten stuck at question 7 two years running, Margie suggested that I team up with Brad Kefauver and Rob Nunn, who nabbed themselves an order of valiant effort last year as Two Guys Down in Illinois. Baker Street babe Ashley Polisek even offered a team name, Two Guys, a Girl, and a Doubleday. I like it. I'll also be drinking lots of tea because, well, that's what I do. Today I'm drinking Cara McGee's Mind Palace blend from Adagio. It's a combination of Ceylon Sonata, Blood Orange, and Vanilla Teas that the official blurb says is an incredibly brisk, invigorating blend intended to wake you up and get you thinking. Intended to be sweet, so don't be shy with the sugar, after checking it's not drugged. One of the reviews on the site said it smelled like creamsicles in the bag. I only have the little sample tin, and I'm not quite getting creamsicle, but it's definitely citrusy. And delicious. It's one of the samples I ordered back in February. I really like getting tea from them. The little sample tins are ideal for trying a whole bunch of flavors, and there are certainly plenty of flavors available to try. By the way, Adagio is not an official sponsor of this podcast, but if you're listening, Adagio, I could be open to the idea. About a week ago, I put the finishing touches on the Sleepbot 3000 I was knitting for my daughter, just in time for her to take on a camping trip with her other mom. 
SleepBot 3000 is a pattern from Huge and Huggable Mochi Mochi by Anna Horakovic. I knit it out of Lion Brand Hometown USA in the colors recommended in the book. When I gave the pieces a wash and put them out to block, it was very clear that my color work skills need, well, some work. There are some serious tension issues there. The other day, my daughter got out the teeny tiny Mochi Mochi book and none too subtly suggested that I knit some little stuffies for her. I've really got to teach that kid to knit in the round. When I've been knitting at all this month, other than on the sleep bot, I've been knitting in the round myself, working on a pair of vanilla top-down socks in Knit Picks Felici in the Time Traveler colorway. The self-striping color pattern is reminiscent of Tom Baker's iconic scarf worn in Doctor Who. Eh, sort of. The colorway shows up in the shop every now and then. It seems like once a year, but it might be even less frequently than that, and sells out in minutes. I was lucky enough to snag a couple of skeins a year or a year and a half ago. When I was packing for 221BCon, I had just finished the Irene Adler socks, and I needed to bring something that I could do some mindless knitting on. The Felici had the advantage of not needing to be rewound before knitting, and it was the day before I was leaving. Besides, given the large TARDIS in the registration area of the con, a little Doctor Who fanishness wasn't really out of place. While I was in Atlanta for the con, I had the opportunity to visit a local yarn shop, Eat Sleep Knit. The shop does a brisk business online and stocks a wide array of yarns. They're located in a nondescript business park outside of the city, with just a tiny little sign stuck in the grass to point the way to the parking lot. Sarah, who I knew from Ravelry, did the driving, while three of us piled into her car. We had entirely too much fun in that store, finding any and all colorways having fanish names. Since the store stocks Nerd Girl yarns, there were a good number of those. I picked up two skeins of Nerd Girl's Bounce and Stomp 7525 Merino Nylon Sock Yarn. One was a purple-blue-green variegation called Honey, You Should See Me in a Crown. Oh yes, this is definitely some Moriarty yarn. The other was a blue-to-blue-gray variegation called Your Ratings Just Went Up. How could I resist a Captain Jack reference? That also happened to be the last skein of that color in stock, and it's possible that someone was trying to buy it online as I was paying for it at the register. Sorry about that. I also picked up a skein of Numma Numma Toasty 100% Merino Sock Yarn in Fire Roasted, a lovely saturated red. I have some Numma Numma in my stash from years ago, and I thought that she had stopped dyeing yarn. I'm happy to see that I was wrong about that. She is local to the store, and now I know where to go. Finally, I got a skein of Blue Moon Fiber Arts Cloud 9, a sport weight 801010 merino nylon cashmere that I think is destined to be a shawlette. It's another blue-gray blend called It's a Collection, Not an Obsession. It seemed fitting. The 2016-221-BCon has come and gone. I had an absolute blast at this year's con. Last year, I didn't really know what to expect. This year, I was more comfortable. I left LA early Thursday morning, because when you travel from the west coast to the east, you pretty much lose the day to travel, between the actual transit time and the three-hour time change. This put me in early enough to have dinner and settle in, and early enough to be able to take the red train all the way from the airport to the hotel rather than having to change trains like I did last year. Friday was the trip to Eat, Sleep, Knit, and then back to the hotel for registration. And then the con was officially on. I ended up having dinner in the bar instead of attending some of the panels I was planning on going to. That may be a continuing theme, just so you know. I did make it to bringing traditional Sherlockians into today's fandom. I really meant to live tweet, 
but then I started chiming in from the audience, and apparently once I started talking, I just couldn't shut up. Fortunately, Liz did some fantastic tweeting and storified them, along with several other panels. Go read them. The link is in the show notes. I think I also attended the Fandom Generations panel on Friday, but the memories are a little hazy, possibly because after that was the Fandom Burlesque, or Nerdlesque, as the host called it, performed by the local dance group Hysteria Machines. Very funny. Proceeds from the show benefited the Beacon Society, and a good time was had by all. The show was followed by the dance party, and perhaps some drinking. Honestly, I don't remember the last time I went out drinking and or dancing before that night. It was great fun, but I had to check out before the end to get some sleep. Welcome to my 40s. Saturday began with the Fandom Unraveled panel, all about fandom crafting. I brought the skein of Honey, You Should See Me in a Crown to show as an example of Vanish yarn. Sarah had some yarn that she hand-spun from roving dyed in the same colorway. We're going to have to each knit up our skeins and see how they compare at next year's con. At noon on Saturday, there was the Q&A with David Nellist, Stamford, and the BBC Sherlock. He was charming and funny, and he treated us to his thoughts on Stamford's background and life when he's not introducing invalided army doctors to consulting detectives. My own panel, Ash, BSI, and other Sherlockian organizations, followed the Q&A. Mary Lynn Miller and Chris Thornton were the other two panelists, and both of them are also members of the John H. Watson Society. I was surprised that we had as many people in the audience as we did, since it was right after the David Nellis session, and I figured people would be going off and having lunch. We did have somebody who had a very lovely cosplay of Mary Russell. Well done. We got to talk about the fun of organizations local, national, international, and virtual. I hope we motivated some people to be more active in their local organizations, as well as online-based groups, like the Watson Society. Later that afternoon, I made a snap decision to go to the Canon Book Club session, almost entirely because the panel consisted of Ashley Polisek and Chris Zordon, or, as his name on the table read, not Ashley. I ended up hanging out in the bar afterward with the two of them. They may have convinced me to go to New York for the birthday weekend next year after all. Enablers. On Sunday, I was in the very crowded audience for the Baker Street Babes podcast recording with David Nellist. Keep an eye or an ear out for that episode. That was followed by Brad Kefauver's session on old school shipping, the many wives of Watson. Despite Brad's concerns on his blog about those of us with Watsonian ribbons, it was a very civil and entertaining session. Okay, I know Brad wasn't really worried. And the discussion raised a really interesting idea. Perhaps there was more than one Watson. That is, after the real John H. Watson started writing the stories for The Strand, something happened to him, and someone else took his place, but kept publishing under the name John H. Watson. Something happened, like, say, Holmes getting him killed. And this went on for a while. See, Watson didn't have six wives. Holmes had six Watsons. That session was followed by popularity of the pastiche, a discussion which included the phrase, once there are tentacles, it's not pastiche anymore. So there you go. Those of you wondering where to draw the line between fanfic and pastiche. It was a really fun discussion, with everyone wanting to discuss their, well, let's say their least favorite pastiches. And that was the last panel session that I went to. I went out to dinner with a group of folks from Ravelry, and then it was up to the room to pack and get some sleep before my very early flight out Monday morning. Unlike last year, I didn't go to very many panels. 
I spent a good amount of time wandering the vendor room, where I bought a detective Mickey Mouse bobblehead that now sits proudly on the shelf next to my Nancy Pearl librarian action figure. I also picked up a bunch of cards to peruse Etsy sites at some future date. When I wasn't in a panel or the vendor room, I was sometimes in the three-patch suite, and sometimes down in the bar. Which is funny, because I don't drink very much at all. But it was a great spot to grab a seat and a burger and some sweet potato fries, see lots of great cosplay, and talk to people. The bar staff was consistently excellent, especially Josh, the super bartender. He was friendly, polite, and absolutely adorable. Everyone loved him, to the point that it spawned a hashtag, JoshCon2017. And then, it was time to go home. Over the last week, I've been reading Paula Berenstein's Amanda Lester books. I signed up to be part of the blog tour, volunteering to review The Orange Crystal Crisis, The Purple Rainbow Puzzle, and The Blue Peacock Secret. I enjoyed them, and I think the writing gets stronger with each book, and I'm looking forward to the next one. I'm glad I kept reading, because I didn't love The Orange Crystal Crisis. The occasional casual fat-shaming in particular grated on my nerves, and an over-reliance on description, rather than action. The Purple Rainbow Puzzle and The Blue Peacock Secret, though, are better written, with lots of action and more character development. The star ratings I assign on Goodreads may be deceptively low, really, since I'm very stingy with my stars. I'm also aware that I'm not actually the intended audience, since these books are for middle-grade readers. My summary of the series is, Tweenage Nancy Drew goes to non-magical Hogwarts. But as the series continues, that description starts to fall short. I mentioned in the last episode that I'd recently received a copy of Shaw's Sherlock Academy, which I'm planning to read next and compare. Speaking of Sherlockian children's books, yesterday I finally found a copy of Basil of Baker Street at my favorite used bookstore. It's the first time I've seen one of the Basil books there. It's the same paperback edition that I already have. I got it as part of a swap package through the 221B group on Ravelry, so I left it for someone else to stumble on. In any case, the book is slated for republication in just a couple of weeks, on May 17th. I've had a pre-order in since December, so happy late Christmas to me! Also coming soon to my desk is the spring 2016 issue of The Watsonian, Eleanor Gray and Basil Chapp's The Doctor and the Duelist, and Leah Gwynne's Sherlock Holmes and the Adventure of the Blank Page. The Perfect Bound books are due to ship from the printer the first week of May. Electronic copies of all three, on the other hand, are available right now in the John H. Watson Society shop. All three are fantastic, in my not-at-all-humble opinion. Submissions for the October 2016 issue of The Watsonian are now being accepted until August 1st. The Spring Watsonian includes my first back-of-the-book column as the boy in buttons for the Watson Society. In addition to information about the state of the society, I introduce myself and talk about how I became a Watsonian. It's my first individual item in the journal. My other credit is as part of a large group of contributors to an article on the identity of Mrs. Turner. I'm looking forward to seeing my first essay in a Sherlockian book this fall, assuming all goes to plan. Chris Redman announced recently that About 60, Why Every Sherlock Holmes Story is the Best will be published by Wildside Press this autumn. For the book, 60 different people each wrote an essay about why a particular story is the best in the canon. My essay was on Charles Augustus Milverton, which of course is the best story in the canon. Rather than attempt to split royalties 60 ways, any royalties earned are to be donated to the Beacon Society, a most fitting recipient. Updates are being posted on a Facebook page for the book and I've noticed several of my Twitter friends posting that they're putting their finishing touches on their essays. 
At least two of the authors are part of the Studious Scarlets, a group for female Sherlockian writers on Facebook that just recently became an official scion society of the BSI. I'm hoping that virtually hanging around these incredible women will help prod me into doing some more writing myself. That's all I have for this month, so until next time, I bid you goodbye. You've been listening to This Tangled Skein, a monthly podcast about Yarn, Tea, and Sherlock Holmes, not necessarily in that order. Show notes can be found at thistangledskein.com, and you can reach me by email at comments at thistangledskein.com. I can be found on most forms of social media, including Twitter, Instagram, and Ravelry as Plexipa. That's P as in Portland, L-E-X-I-P-P-A. Reviews or star ratings on iTunes are always appreciated.